Hey, hello, everybody. This meeting is being recorded. And uh, my name is Peter Burson, and I would like to welcome you to another exciting, exciting, well, anyway, it's going to be an exciting program of money talks and bullshit walks, or as those in the know call it, MTBW, uh, the history of Philadelphia from 1980 to present, Green to Kenny. As always, I'm joined by Joe Willard, the king of Wissahickon. Joe was crowned the king by the now lapsed Treaty of the Ridge and Creamery. Joe, stop shaking your head. We do this all the time. Say hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Uh, as most of you know, Joe is our Swiss Army knife. He writes, he directs, he texts, and he throws in his two cents worth, which is... I don't know what two cents is worth today. Anyway, it's about a penny and a half nowadays. Before we get half a pence, huh. all pun intended. Before we get started, I want all you podcasters out there to know, uh, as, at, as always, we've consulted our attorney, Bombastic Bushkin, of the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Bushkin asks us, as he always does, to emphasize that for all past, current, and future podcasts, we are not historians. We are not journalists, although at times we have had a former journalist be a guest on our podcast. He, like Joe and I, make no greater claim other than we deal in urban legend. And if the truth gets in, and if it gets in the way, so be it. You can just view us as a group sitting in a bar like we used to could before the virus, getting some laughs and talking trash about the city that loves you back, the land of the giants, as the former Inquirer columnist Steve Lopez called it, and I think he called it uh, more than once. Is that right, Joe? More than once. Got him, made him enough money to travel to Los Angeles where he is today. Yeah, and they made a book, too, of all these columns. Anyway, Joe and I know that uh, in 1985, Philadelphia was more than uh, the move confrontation and live aid. Um, but we decided to focus on these two events because we felt they needed to be spoken about uh, in both their larger context and because it's our podcast. And if you don't like it, get your own damn podcast. Uh, one last observation uh, that I'd like to throw in um, as to the Ernie Edwards fiasco. When I told a friend about our take on Edwards, he reminded me of a recent visit from an out-of-town businessman. He'd come here, uh, I think, to determine whether or not to set up business here. So the guy has his meeting with various high potentates from the city and quasi-city officials. And no crimes are uh, proposed or anything of that nature. Uh, but there was opposition to his proposal, and, and that kind of stunned the guy. Um, and, of course, uh, after that meeting, he decided not to pursue any business here. But he was leaving the, the meeting, and he shook his head, and he turns to one of the officials who was at the meeting, and he asked why the process that he's proposing and that he'd used in other cities wouldn't work or fit here. And the answer came in an eight word reply. This is Philadelphia, we do things diff differently here. Now, 
just keep this in mind as kind of a North Star. So when you hear talk about the best interests of the city, it's not always the case. Um, this is Philadelphia. We do do things differently here. Just keep it in mind, comes in handy. So 1986, uh, Wilson Good is finishing his first term. Uh, we gave you some of the highlights uh, from 85, but in any case, Good is preparing for uh, re-election. Um, the MOVE Commission, who Good had appointed and didn't seem to have any conflicts of interest, issued uh, a scathing report about the MOVE uh, incident. Um, a man from the past pops back up and he announces that he has considered the circumstances the city is facing. And although I doubt he said it that well, he announces his candidacy for mayor. And that man would be, drum roll please, Joe, for a box of donuts from Stock's Bakery, which is I believe on 25th or 2600 block of East Lehigh Avenue which in case you don't remember is a cash only uh, establishment. Um, that person is. Joe Kuhara. Nope, make it, take another guess. Uh, Gene Mock? Uh, no, let's uh, cut things short and say it was Frank Rizzo. Who was the other Frank who uh, was a pretzel guy? No, he gets into this later, Lamento. Sounds good, all right. Uh, salt in every pot or something. We'll talk about Lamento. Anyway, Joe, what's your favorite bake bakery uh, in uh, in uh, Roxborough? It would be uh, Roma's up on Ridge Avenue. And, Great Italian pastries. And what's your favorite item? Cannoli. Of course. Uh, so that puts me to mind to The Godfather, where there's the famous line, leave the gun and take the cannoli. Now that was from Godfather One. I'm pretty sure of that Joe. Is that when uh, Michael uh, took out that guy in the uh, restaurant? Yeah, that that's the guy. It, it was uh, it was it was a hit. I think a mob hit. The movie was a hit too. But anyway, um, I have hinted that I really didn't want to talk about Rizzo, but. I kind of came to the conclusion that we can't confront uh, our great city's history without a discussion of one of the Philadelphia urban legends. Uh, so while I might make mention of him here and there, uh, we really are not going to go deeply into Rizzo until 1991 when he again runs for office for the last time. This time, uh, he ran as a Republican in 91, and he died taking a shit in his campaign office. So as I said, we'll talk about Frank uh, when we get to, to the 1991 segment of uh, Money Talks and Bullshit Walks. But in, in 86, uh, the textile industry, the garment industry here, which was a leading manufacturer in, in the city, uh, and it actually was probably worldwide uh, or at least countrywide known uh, for, the city was known for its garments, uh, but uh, basically the last of the Mohicans, uh, if I can say, uh, was the Pincus brothers and they closed their doors uh, to manufacturing uh, in 86. They had been around since 
I guess the turn of the century. Uh, they were a major, major manufacturing uh, company. And Joe, when I say turn of the century, it's, it's not 2000, it's 1900. Um, so their plant was at fifth or sixth, I, I'm not sure, and Race Street. Uh, but after 86 years, they were gone. In 86, the mob, uh, back to the mob, uh, the mob wars were kind of quieting down, mainly because a lot of guys got dead or went to jail. Uh, that doesn't mean, I, I know we already did a, a segment on the mob, but we have another uh, guest, a special guest who has agreed to come on and give us another look at the mob uh, from a little closer than you and I. Um, so I'll be looking forward to having her and it's just a matter of scheduling and uh, how busy she is and how quickly our, our schedule just piles up, you know, got a lot of things going. Yeah, uh, retirement's a bitch. Yeah, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Uh, <laughs> so one morning uh, in, uh, in 1986, Philadelphia woke up. Uh, to the name of Gary Heidnick and the House of Horrors. And uh, Heidnick's place was located somewhere on North Marshall Street. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you podsters out in podcast land, um, I'm not sure where that is, but I'm sure you're out there. Anyway, uh, I'm sure people know the Heidnick name and that he was a murderer. Um, I'm not sure if they remember or know any of the details. But in 86, uh, the police and the district attorney's office uh, began an investigation of what uh, was described to me uh, by a grizzled, grizzled and tough law enforcement official, uh, the most gruesome crime scene uh, he'd ever encountered. Um, that, my friends, takes in a lot of blood and a lot of crime scenes. Heidnick, um, he was an extremely deranged criminal. Uh, he kidnapped and raped women, uh, killing some, uh, and some were found in his basement, the basement of his home in, on North Marshall Street. Uh, he had built some sort of a pool uh, or a moat uh, uh, in his basement. Um, and some of these women were found in the makeshift dungeon, I guess that's what we can call it, uh, where he kept the women in bondage. Uh, each of the women were black. Uh, the investigation determined that uh, he chained the women into his little dungeon water pit. Uh, he had made a water pit down there. Then he stripped an electrical wire and turned on the electricity in the water pit. Um, so you can imagine how that went. Um, one other woman died uh, from fever and starvation and torture. And he put the body in his, in, in his freezer, um, but he didn't know. I mean, he was so twisted and deranged, he couldn't figure out what to do with the arms and legs. So he also put them in the freezer. Um, he ground it up, it was marked as dog food. Uh, he ground it up uh, the flesh and mixed it, mixed oh. the parts uh, with real dog food and fed it to his captives. 
So as you can see, he's completely uh, just as, as horrible a person as you can think of. Um, the neighbors uh, called the police after uh, one day they noticed a really strong odor coming from uh, Heidnick's house. And they, the police came and Heidnick told them um, that he had burned a roast. Um, he was arrested. Uh, another woman uh, was found um, in, in uh, Meadowlands up in North Jersey, probably, uh, I guess, next to Hoffa's body, but they're up there. So he's arrested and at Heidnick's trial, his attorney raised probably the only defense that he had, which was an insanity defense. Uh, the problem was it was really undercut uh, by the uh, AD, assistant district attorney who uh, was trying the case and the police uh, investigators because they found out he had $500,000 in his bank and a brokerage account uh, along with uh, various records that he showed that, you know, it showed he was, he was pretty astute. Uh, he was an astute investor. Uh, in fact, there was testimony at the trial from a brokerage manager that Heidnick knew exactly what he was doing. Um, the jury convicted him and he was sentenced to death. Uh, and he was sent sentenced to death at, I believe, SCI Rock, Rockview. Um, Rockview, which is up in Center County, Pennsylvania, Happy Valley. That's correct. Oh. You go right to the top of the class, Harry. Um, and uh, then what happened was the Grand Poobahs were looking for a whole bunch of other things. Um, anyway, Heidnick uh, was ultimately arrested and he asked to be ex executed uh, in 1999, um, as I said at SCI, uh, that's State Correctional Institute at Roxford, Roxview. Uh, and he was the last person put to death in Pennsylvania. One morning uh, in 1986, uh, us, us Philadelphians woke up and learned that a fairly large area in the lower Northeast in the Logan neighborhood was a toxic waste site. It was located in around uh, 600, 800 block of Roosevelt Boulevard. But before we get into toxic waste sites, I'm sure you are wondering who was Logan and where did he come from? Joe, it's time for you to take a, another crack at history here. Logan, wasn't he the guy in X-Men? No, he was not. Oh, you're talking about real history. All right. Well, I, you know, we have our disclaimers, but uh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about a Logan. Uh, talking about one of the founding fathers of Philadelphia, right? Yeah. The uh, FFP. Logan, um, let's let's review. Uh, his name was Thomas Logan, and um, there is a Logan Square, which 
now is known is known or should be or is referred to as Lincoln Logan Circle, uh, which is located in the 1900 block of the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. Um, as all of you podsters probably know, uh, the Parkway bookends the Philadelphia Art Museum. The Champs de Louise, and I'm sure I got that right in Paris, is, is uh, our version of, of the Paris uh, Boulevard. Um, uh, I, and I've mentioned this before, I think it's uh, nicer. It may not be as long, but we don't have any McDonald's or any restaurants uh, in, in, on the parkway. It's a pretty long stretch of land that is, you can ride your cars there, but there, you can't stop for a cup of coffee there. Uh, and it's a beautiful uh, stretch of uh, the city. So I think ours is prettier, but that's just me. Uh, Logan Square is named after Thomas Logan. Um, as we said, he's, I think, the 15th or 16th mayor. Um, uh, but the, the square has the, uh, I guess it was I, the iconic Swan Fountain. And in case you missed it, the fountain still works. And when the fountain is on and the water comes through it, it, it looks pretty semi-beautiful. Uh, the fountain was designed by Alexander Calder. Uh, the Calders are a family. They, they're considered a big deal in the art world. Yeah, lots uh, of sculptures, a lot of big mobiles they did. Yeah, not automobiles, just mobiles, right? Yep, the big ones too, like the ones at the Philly Art Museum. Oh, they, they're in the art museum. See, there's another reason to go up and down the parkway. Uh, anyway, Joe, let's end the art class for now. Um, <laughs> I will say that the fountain is considered to be a masterpiece, and it's listed on the Registry of Historic Places. By, by the way, this is a, a little known fact. Uh, it, the fountain is, it, well, this part isn't. Uh, the fountain is owned by the city, but it was bequeathed to the city. I'm not sure when, uh, but it was. I'm not sure who bequeathed it. Uh, you like that word, Joe? Bequeathed. Yeah, that's potentates. Yeah, we're 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 going we're going big with the English. You can we're going to have to give out dictionaries. Yeah, you can tell I went to public schools for a while. Uh, anyway, um, the word bequeathed is it sounds pretty good, uh, pretty formal, and that's pretty good for a city full of Johns. Uh, so, as I said. Uh, that's that's where the uh, Logan Circle comes from, but or or square. Uh, just uh, to clear things up, when Billy Penn was the Grand Poobah, there's another name. Uh, he envisioned uh, that the city would have five squares, um, and we do. Uh, they were uh, built after uh, Penn died, but they're known as Rittenhouse Square. Franklin Square, which is small and more or less cut off by the Benny, the Benjamin Franklin Bridge. You know, stay with me. Uh, and it's also cut off by the traffic leading to the bridge. All that's too bad. Uh, it's a pretty cool place. Uh, every year or every year uh, recently, they've had uh, the Chinese Lantern Festival. And it's usually in late spring or early summer. So if you go, 
go around sunset, uh, stay till it's dark. The lanterns are pretty cool and very colorful, and you can say you've been to a place that you didn't know existed. Uh, the next square uh, was Center Square, and that's with an E on the end. Um, that's located now between Market Street and JFK Boulevard. It's just a bunch of ugly, fairly low-rise business offices uh, that have been built there. Um, it, it goes from, I guess, 15th Street to 19th or 20th Street. Uh, the area, again, is called Center Square with an E. Uh, and of course, it's called Center Square because the, the uh, square uh, was built up close to the, the center of the city, uh, which at this point, um, I'm not sure then, but is now- Is that where the love statue is? Is yeah. that where the love statue is? It, it, you know, it's a little below the love statue, but it was, that, that's the love statue, of course, was after uh, penned by a couple of years. A few years, yeah. Mm -hmm. years, and uh, it was um, a town meeting place. And then, of course, they built City Hall there. Um, and uh, then, of course, um, there was uh, the fire. Well, there was also Washington Square, um, which is uh, basically, uh, I guess, a little east or southeast uh, of the uh, historical stuff. Um, and Washington Square is a really big place, uh, but it's, it's about a block south or west. Uh, you really can't uh, miss that, uh, even if you're not interested in Betsy Ross and them others. And the final square, which is what I was leading up to all this time, uh, was Northwest Square. That is now Logan Square, or as it's known, Logan Circle. I think I, Logan Square sounds better, don't you think, John? Logan Square, yeah, squares get to circles, squares fit in circles, circles fit in oh, squares. Wasn't that a song or an album or something? Pretty sure, yeah. It's rhythmic. If not, we should make it. We should make one. I mean, this, we're, you know, we can do it all here on this podcast. Anyway, uh, where the swan, that's where the Swan Fountain is. Um, Joe, uh, you went to Rome and did you ever take a dip in the fountain on a hot spring day after school? Never, never. That was something that the Hallahan girls did. Uh, maybe you and the Hallahan girls? Mm, only um, an observational mood. Okay. That was certainly yeah. something that the girls did. All right. Well, the Joe. We've been offhandedly uh, talking about Roman and Hallahan. Can you explain uh, their place in uh, Philadelphia's history? Sure. Um, well, Roman Catholic High School is the oldest Catholic high school in the United States. Uh, came about in the 1800s, um, uh, bequeathed uh, a grant from Thomas Cahill, who was a, a mercantile kind of a rich guy. Um, and it's been located down at Broad and Vine Street for a gazillion years. Um, and uh, it's got a very robust alumni association that keeps it going. And Hallahan is the John W. Hallahan School, and that's all for girls, Romans for boys. You know, they had to keep the two separate together so they would not have impure thoughts. Um, 
And um, the girls, every time they graduated, the senior class would run down to the Logan Square or Circle and hop in that pool and uh, have a go of it, as they say. Uh, uh, while we're on uh, the to topic of Roman and Hallahan, uh, has there ever been talk or is there talk that the uh, the impure thoughts might be pushed aside and we would see the two schools uh, join together? Uh, that might be sacrilegious and uh, many people would have to go to confession and, and confess uh, those impure thoughts. Um, economics will probably take over that decision as uh, both schools struggle to get a full roster of uh, kids to pay because Catholic school is just getting more expensive every year. Hmm. Well, you learn something new every day. Uh, anyway, that's the story of where the name uh, Logan comes from in the city of Philadelphia. Um, and it's Thomas Logan, uh, the 15th or 16th mayor. I don't know, my eyesight's getting bad. Uh, so the history lesson is over, the art class is over. So we're back to the toxic blocks in the Logan neighborhood known as the sinking houses of Logan. Uh, you know, within the Logan neighborhood, there was a group of homes uh, which on a fall night in 86, uh, there were several major gas explosions. And of course, the explosions also took place during the Wilson Good, or on his watch anyway. Uh, and after the explosion, inspection uh, by the city uh, was conducted. Uh, and it was determined that 20 homes after the explosions were in imminent danger of collapse. Uh, a little later, another group of the homes were also found to be uh, in danger of imminent collapse. They were dangerous. Then another 55 homes, and then another 11. Uh, Joe, you getting the idea here? Sounds like this is a, a sinking story. Yes, it is. A sinking, sad sinking story. So a lot of the people, uh, particularly in the neighborhood who lived in those homes, wanted to know what caused the three gas explosions that destroyed the land and uh, made the homes unlivable uh, and caused people uh, to be out of their homes. Um, I, can, I, I think you can just say it was shoddy, maybe shitty, uh, incredible acts. Uh, it turned out uh, after a little investigation that the houses were built on a landfill and they were filled by, uh, by dumped coal ash. So it was fake land, um, but it was smoothed over. Uh, so to the naked eye, um, you could develop the land. Um, it was smoothed over and the homes that sat, sat on top of uh, dumped oil or coal ash um, waste. And so it was, I should say, a waste site. Um, but the houses were sold and over a period of time, the ash that the houses were built on um, slowly washed away and the houses began to sink the so-called, under the so-called land or under the land. Uh, before the explosions, uh, 
there were complaints that the foundations had begun to show large cracks and the homes themselves had begun to buckle. Um, so when this all happened, uh, when the gas line was finally hit, and remember, this sort of uh, environmental stuff was in a time closer to the New Deal, uh, not the Green New Deal. Um, so that, that's what happened. Um, but then, of course, we have to ask our questions. Uh, who was responsible for the dumping? Uh, who was responsible for the inspection of the homes prior to the sale? And this leads me back to one of my points earlier. Um, the answer is, this is Philadelphia, and we do things differently here. See, Joe, it all, it all ties in. It all ties back together. You think I'm just going off like, uh, you know, some, some balloon floating in the air, but it all ties in. It all comes together. That's good. I was starting to wonder a bit, my friend. Well, you know, a lot of people wonder about me, and for good reason, but this was pretty tied in. Uh, so, as I said, you all over again. Uh, so, he promised, cross my heart, hope to die, uh, that he would get the money to rebuild from local, state, and federal funds. Um, you know, the, there was a little fact here that he couldn't rebuild because the land, uh, as you might recall, was toxic. But details. And, and that, you know, after that, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers came in and they inspected the land uh, to see if it could be improved. Um, and, and they came up with a nice little name to, to, for, to see if uh, there could be soil compaction don't know what that means. Compaction? compaction? I think you know what compaction means. Soil compaction. Oh, okay. I mean, compaction's easy, but soil compaction is a whole, you know, you don't just do that overnight. You, you got to be, you know, pretty trained in that. Anyway, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers uh, came that the soil compaction uh, would cost uh, a mere $48.5 million. So in, in, in 1986 times, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And so it probably be costing a couple of, as my people would say, shekels more. Uh, and so basically, after you visit Osage Avenue, uh, you can go visit the sinking homes of Logan. Uh, there are no lines of tourists, uh, and today at least you got to know who Thomas Logan was uh, and more urban legends. Joe, I think that's our podcast for today. Uh, thanks for joining us at Money Talks and Bullshit Walks, Philadelphia from 1980 to present, Green to Kenny. Joe and I, speaking on behalf of Joe, hope this podcast was better than the last one. Say goodbye, Joe. I will say goodbye. Okay, goodbye. All right.